0: David, one of the biggest decisions the Chargers have to make in the 2022 offseason is what to do with former first round pick Mike Williams, who just had his biggest season of his career in a contract year. But are the Chargers going to put up the money?
1: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on
0: the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day what is up and welcome into the locked on chargers podcast i'm your host daniel wade joined as always my co-host david Drogemeyer. and today's episode is brought to you by online gambling.com the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the nfl playoffs visit online gambling.com slash nfl to get the edge over the competition during this year's playoffs All right, David. Well, before we get into things, if you guys want to make sure you never miss a show, make sure to go subscribe to the new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms. But we have a lot to get into today because we're going to get into some voicemails. We know we've been promising you guys some voicemails, and we have a great one to kick things off on what to do with Mike Williams. Do you give him that almost $19 million for the franchise tag? Do you give him the multi-year extension? Do you let him walk away, which is one of our callers? Thinks is the right decision today, so we'll get into that as well as what the Chargers need to do as far as the edge rusher position. How do you address that? Do you bring back Kanuoso? Do you, you know, trust Chris Rump at this point to take over that mantle? And also much more on today's voicemail episode, including Darius Swinton's 10th grade honors English teacher making an appearance on today's show, and also maybe some options at tight end too and a calvin ridley trade was even thrown into the mix so a lot to get into but i think we have to start david of course with the mike williams situation of it all and it's coming from one of our og callers so let's hear what barnaby has for us this barnaby from the
1: 805 and uh i have a thought that why don't we let mike williams walk There's my thought process behind it. One, he's gonna cost so much money. Probably 15 million, maybe 20. And that's a lot of money that I'd rather use for our defensive purposes and right tackle purposes. Let's throw in Josh Palmer as the number two. I think he's actually good enough. And then, whether it's free agency or in the draft, let's have somebody real fast to add that threat to our offensive game. I think that would just be amazing. Last thing, too, is just Mike Williams' back. It's always going out. He's always injured. I feel like you give him fifty, sixty million, 60 million, and then he's going to have all kinds of uh, back problems and all kinds of health issues. Free up that space for someone else. It's going to help us get
0: us to the glory, man. Right? Keep up the good off-season work. up. Well, thank you, Barnaby, for calling in. And I mean, to be honest, this one voicemail did spark a 30 minute conversation between me and David before the show. We did a full podcast just about Mike Williams. I mean, we almost just had to turn this into a full Mike Williams podcast, but you also, David, took exception, though, with one of the things that Barnaby talked about, including, you know, the injury-prone tag that Mike Williams always seems to get labeled with.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing I I had to put to bed immediately, guys. There's a difference and a distinct difference between playing hurt and playing injured or being injured, okay? Mike Williams has played 15 games pretty much four out of the five years he's been in the league. So that injury-prone moniker needs to get thrown by the wayside because that is not accurate, okay? That's one thing we have to address right, r- right now. He's not an injury-prone player. Has he dealt with injuries throughout his career? Has it maybe affected his play? Sure, I think we can safely assume that or say that, but he is not an injury-prone player.
0: Yeah. And I think that's fair. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, before this season, I mean, this was his healthiest season. You didn't see him on a ton of injury reports. You didn't see him miss any games because of that. Right. And I think that's one thing he has going for him. He did miss a game from COVID, but he didn't actually miss any games due to injury. And he was on the injury report a lot less. That's what he has going for him for sure. But I still think it's such a tough decision that the Chargers have in front of them because one thing that I think is being underrated about Mike Williams right now because there's a lot of people seemingly willing to let him walk is the fact that, I mean, what quality you know what are you putting on as far as justin herbert's ability to make big time throws to mike williams in clutch situations because the one thing he has done a lot david is make the big catches throughout the years and that's also i think
1: throughout his career
0: for sure and i also think that's covered up a lot of the bad games that he's had as well where he doesn't have a lot of reception so i think it works both ways we saw what he was able to do in this offense leading the team in receiving yards over 1300 Mm -hmm. receiving yards more than three hundred, more than he's ever had in a season before this. The most catches he blew that away this season. Nine touchdowns, the second most receiving touchdowns that he had, you know, in his career at this point. So, uh, did I say thirteen hundred forty six? I mean yeah, eleven forty six. Yeah, 46, saying, yeah 11, you know, I, I definitely made Mike Williams much better for a second, but yeah, eleven forty six still. I mean, by quite a bit, beat what he had done before, in the same yeah. amount of games, right? But I think the, the hard thing is, is. Can you pay him this off of, you know, one really, really good season? Because before this, the most catches he's ever averaged in a season is 3.3 per game. That's not a high number. And even this season, he had three games in a row where he had two catches or less, right? He had two catches in each of those games, I should say. So I do understand, David, because do you want to give a franchise tag and keep him around for a year and see if he can do it again? Or are you going to give him that what he's, you know, at... What his market value is right now, according to Spotrack, is $16 million, But Kenny Galladay got paid $18 million last season. So if I'm Mike Williams' agent, I'm walking in there and being like, this is what Kenny Galladay is getting paid. Look at each of our seasons last year, and you tell me I should be making less than that, right? So I think that's what puts the Chargers in such a tough position.
1: Yeah, they really do. It's, it's a really, really hard decision. I mean, that's why we had such a heated debate about this subject before we even started recording because – What is the Chargers supposed to do in this situation? Mike Williams was the most productive receiver on the field last year. And just like every other year in his career, he made all the big catches and made all the big plays in the most intense gotta have it moments. And he's done that consistently. And how much is that worth? How much is that relationship that he's built with Justin Herbert worth? That chemistry that it's seemingly very, very much there after this season for me, the way I look at it is he's in an offense that he's never been in before. He is getting more targets than he ever got in, in his career before. They're throwing him the ball. They're using him in different ways in this offense. So I don't know how comfortable I am committing to a you know three or four year deal at this point in time. I need to see it one more time. He's still young enough to where you can get away with that. You franchise tag him. Now, obviously, you do that um, at at the at the the possibility that he may not like that and he may hold out and not play at all and then you're not getting anything out of that franchise tag and yeah it's a, a big hefty amount around 18 or 19 million of guaranteed money for that one year but yeah yeah projected right we don't know exactly what it's going to be but i think you take that chance because at least if you if he goes out there and he does it again or he explodes even more you know 1500 yards and and you know 15 touchdowns. If he does something like that, then uh, you, you, he really, I think, shows and demonstrates like, hey, I think now I've, i have I've showed you year over year that I can perform. And I think that's the biggest thing is the question about Mike Williams is, can he be consistent? Can he do this year in and year out?
0: And that's an impossible thing to learn in one year, right? Because this yeah. was the outlier season for him. He had a season with a lot of yards, a thousand and one, a season with a lot of touchdowns, 10 receiving touchdowns, but they were in different seasons. He had an awful rookie year when dealt with a lot of injuries. It, it's been up and down. I think it's just, can you pay him $18 million and Keenan Allen, $20 million, right? Because that's the other thing and pay those two receivers and still build out the rest of your roster and still fix the defense because yeah, Barnaby, I mean, you'd love for, you know, that money to go towards fixing the defense and right and helping you get a right tackle potentially and all those things but like are we so sure that a Josh Palmer can come and step in and make up 1146 receiving yards in a year and make up nine touchdowns that Mike Williams had like i think you would have a much bigger season than he had his rookie year if you thrust him into that role but i don't think it looks the same and i don't yeah. know if you necessarily they don't have they don't bring the same things to the table it's just no. Are you willing to pay Mike Williams 16 to 18 million dollars, potentially knowing his shortcomings, knowing he's not going to be an elite separator, knowing he's not going to always be open, knowing that a lot of, you know, his big time plays might have to come from jump balls down the field or blown coverages because he had a fair amount of that as well. Well set up plays where he's running wide open down the field. right And how
1: much better is Mike Williams with Justin Herbert throwing him the football?
0: Right, and that's another thing you always have to weigh. So, like, this is a really tough thing to do. I mean, I just don't know what the replacement is. Like, I think you obviously still need a speedster and all of those things, but that wouldn't necessarily take away what Mike Williams brings to this offense. I mean, you could have both of those things coexist because they bring totally different skill sets. If you bring in that guy, you can get the catches and your yards after the catch, right? And that's one thing they really don't have at all right now is that guy that can be explosive after the catch and take the top off the defense, and there's not a lot of those guys out there that can do both. That's not always an easy position to fill, no. but you could definitely have both of those, and it's not like they would be stepping on each other's feet because they just bring different things to the table. So right. there's a lot of things different you have to factor in your tool into. toolbox,
1: as Joe Lombardi likes to say.
0: Yeah, and I mean, having that extra $18 million doesn't necessarily automatically build you a right tackle and a good defense. Like, it's obviously a huge chunk that could go towards a lot of it, things. It's
1: all about what you do with the resources that you have. We've seen plenty of teams throw an exorbitant amount of monies at different players and just fall flat on their face. So just because the Chargers have all this capital does not guarantee that they're going to use it the best way.
0: Well, and I think both of us think that Mike Williams will be back, just knowing how they feel about him. Oh, yeah, and the organization loves him. Mike. And I right. think that's
1: one thing people need to remember. After what Brandon Staley said about Mike, what Tom Telesco said about Mike, the Chargers love Mike Williams. So I think that definitely has to be understood as well.
0: And he was a huge part of one of the most efficient offenses in the league this year. And it's not yeah. saying that somebody else couldn't do that and maybe improve this offense at all, but it's hard to just automatically say, Hey, they let him walk. They can bring in somebody and Allen Robinson and free agency potentially, right. Or a yeah. DJ shark. And he's going to imitate that production. Right. So I think that's just the hardest thing to do is to decide how much you're giving this guy, knowing what his track record is and knowing that four seasons out of five were inconsistent. He's had, so one I good said season. franchise tag, right? Right.
1: What do you say? What what is what is your decision? If you're making that choice, what are you doing?
0: I mean, there's a number obviously that I would like. I mean, I think if you could bring him in, obviously like 14 million dollars under the market value, you would do that. But he's not going to take that realistically, nor should he. Potentially. Yeah, unless
1: he gets you know 60, 70, you know, 60, 70 percent guaranteed.
0: But you also don't know what you have to let him get to free agency, right? And also, but other teams have a chance to really jack that number up if you yeah. want to see if you can land one of those other receivers. Because I don't think Devonte Adams is walking through that door. So I think that's always the tough thing to do. Is. It, is to make these decisions. That's why you get paid the big bucks, Tom Telesco, right? Because it is a tough thing to do, and I think they will end up bringing it back. For me, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say franchise tag and just see one more season at that $19 and know that it's probably going to hurt my ability to build the roster this year, but it's not going to take a lot away from an offense that doesn't need much help. And yeah. I think that that's kind of where I would land on it. But we've gotten very carried away. And this almost turned into the 30-minute argument we had before the show. So <laughs> we have many more voicemails to get into. So coming up next, we'll talk about a potential Calvin Ridley trade, which would happen maybe in a post-Mike Williams world. And we'll get into that coming up after this. But I do need to tell you, all Charger fans, about OnlineGambling.com because it's the one place that I go before I place all of my bets we're all looking for an edge these days. And I'd like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's podcast. Because if you don't know already, Online Gambling is a website dedicated to giving betters the edge throughout the playoffs. They're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to make you the most informed better that you can be. And right now, there's a lot of games going on this season, guys. I mean, coming up this weekend that are going to be huge. I mean, how many great games do you have and so many good games to bet on? Go to OnlineGambling.com so you guys can get in there and get the best advice because, I mean, you have Rams, Buccaneers this weekend, you have Chiefs, Bills this weekend. You also have other great games like Packers 49ers. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if the Titans, I would say Bengals over Titans at this point, not knowing what I, you know, from Derek Henry, if I had to pick an upset this week. But you guys can go to OnlineGambling.com and check out their picks for this weekend and make sure you're making and educate a guest before you put your money down. So make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most out of this year's playoffs. All right, David, we'll stop me if you've heard this before, but me and you got carried away talking about something. I knew we should have made it like two seconds. It's almost like
1: we're podcast hosts.
0: And we'll revisit the Mike Williams thing, you know, and we should have given more time for it, but we We do have a lot of – well, when the other thing is, too, is that we just have a lot of voicemails. We know you guys have been putting your voicemails in, and we want to get to them. Thank so you, guys. We have another OG caller on this one. We had a lot of first-time callers on today's show as well, but we do have somebody that's called in and supported us for a very, very long time. That's Zach from Florida, so it's us hear what he already asked for us this week. Guys, right,
1: it's Zach from Florida here. So I wanted to know what would you do with the opposite Joey Bosa as the other edge? Would you maybe have – Chris Rupp be the starter next year? Would you look for somebody in free agency, maybe like a Hassan Reddick or Chandler Jones to fill that spot? Would you bring back Uchenna Nwosu to get that spot? Or maybe would you go in the draft and try to get someone? One name that stood out to me, definitely from looking at highlights, is Demetrius Taylor, who is from Appalachian State, and I feel like he could be someone that you could put in there and maybe see if he has any impact would just love to know your thoughts and go Bolt.
0: yeah i mean this is another tough question i don't think there's one right answer to it and we won't talk specifically about the draft picks but obviously the draft is going to be a place where the chargers i think need to invest and need to invest early on you know at edge defender especially with some later picks you know if there is a guy you really like if you want to take you know all those six and seventh projected compensatory picks to go up and get your guy I'd totally be good with that. If the right guy's there in the first round, I'd be good with that being a position they add to as well just because it is such an important position. I don't know if there's any guys I would want at 17 that realistically could fall to them. But I think the other parts you bring up, first, Chris Rumpf is not the guy next year. I mean, I think it's just way not, too not soon. Not to ready start. yet. He, he doesn't you have just enough weight. It's so risky to put that much on him, right? Like, you can't yeah. go into the season with your t- main two addressers being Joey Bosa and Chris Rump. You just can't responsibly do that on a defensive yeah. front that didn't get enough pressure as it is. They're going to run that, at him
1: all day long because he's not, he's not there yet. He doesn't have that body, that size that yeah, you're, and you're just talking yeah,
0: physically for physically, sure. One that, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is he's really surprised me against the run. Like that's the wild thing is like, he is so slippery and that definitely translated. Oh yeah, definitely. Just, that's one just thing we saw in college blocks when we with looked his, at him. Yeah, and he's not the typical, you know, hold the edge, stack and shed the blocker no. in front of you type of a guy. But he's beating guys with quickness, which yeah. can be dangerous, though, because if you hop into the wrong gap, you open up another one. And that potentially turns into bigger games. And we saw that from him much improved special teams player. But it's just not, the, you know, it's just not going to happen as far as him being the guy going into year two as a fourth round pick. I like what I saw from him, not yeah. enough to make you nearly trust anything that he has going forward enough to leave it all in his hands and Wosu, that's the next thing, David, is he's a guy that it's hard to say not to bring him back because right now it's just Joey Bosa and Chris Pump, you know? So, like, that's the other part of it is, like, you don't really have much else going on besides Joey Bosa right now, and you saw how good he was. There's a couple concerning things, though. I mean, obviously, what is the price? Because out of all the Chargers contracts, he's the one that might confuse me the most Mm -hmm. because I don't know what the market's going to say about a dude who has 15 career sacks. And had five sacks last year because there's a lot of guys that put up flashy, you know, nine sacks, ten sacks seasons out of nowhere. But he's never had more than five. Five was his career high. He had four and a half last year in almost half of the snaps because he wasn't playing nearly as much and still almost hit five in 2020. So, like, this is a really tough thing, David, because it's hard because you kind of need him back. And he had his best game of the season, his last game. And you saw how well he fit in Brandon Staley's season. But it was still too inconsistent, and there just still wasn't enough pass rush with him and Joey Bosa being the main two dudes
1: yeah, I think just uh, based off of what Brandon Staley has said about Uchen and Wilson so he basically said hey that that's our kind of player that that that's the guy we envision in our defense on the edge. he's physical, he can play against the run. All of those things have really led me to believe that the Chargers are definitely going to bring him back because you saw already what Brandon Staley's footprints or fingerprints were on the first offseason additions and the draft picks. It was all over the place. It was Brandon Staley's fingerprints all over the place. So I expect that to continue in this offseason. So based off of those comments and I think, you know, he's gotten better. He's gotten better um, in this defense he's got more comfortable towards the end of the year. He really started to flash and really started to make plays. And I think, you know, going into this second year and ho- however long they decide to sign him, I think he has the the potential to get much better.
0: Yeah, and I think it's Uchenin, Mostu, and some like, and that's yes, not and some. Oh yeah, it's that, not that's the, the important thing. that's the important part of it because like I yeah. think you could bring in t- you know keep him maybe like I just I don't know what that contract's gonna be maybe five or right. six million a year, but like maybe kick the tires on Von Miller, right? See if he's yeah. willing to switch teams in the same town. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but I'd be hugely interested seeing how fresh he's looked in the playoffs this year and a guy that's worked under Brandon Staley, right? And you yeah. do have the Hassan Reddicks. You do have the other guys out there that we've already yeah, talked Yeah, Manuel
1: Ogwell, like right. I, I, I picked out the other day.
0: Exactly. So that it's tough, but I think it's Uchenna and Wosu is the answer and some because yeah. I just don't and, know how you China would let plus. him go. Yeah, and I think he showed a lot as a run defender, which is saying a lot given the Chargers were one of the worst-run defenses in the league. But let's sneak another one in here, and, I mean, no better one to sneak in than actually getting a guy who was Darius Swinton's 10th grade honors English teacher. Hi, this is Jim from Virginia Beach, longtime Chargers fan dating back to Lance Allworth in the mid-60s. Was also the 10th grade honors English teacher of Darius Swinton. And Darius had a solid B-plus average for me. I was just wondering what he did to earn a failing grade for the Chargers as special teams coach this year. Seemed like once he had some specialists to coach, he did pretty well with them. And I don't think he was coaching the defensive line or taking the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands on fourth down from deep in our own territory. Just wondered what you guys had to say. Well, Jim brings up a lot of great points, and I mean, a lot of stuff that was echoed in our reaction to Darius Swindon's firing, and I think it's more than fair. Me and David talked about it. Like In a vacuum, if a special teams coordinator gets fired, and he has the 28th ranked special teams unit, nobody's batting an eye, right? That seems like a needed change, but we did also see how much that unit improved, David, and I think that's why it was a tough pill to swallow, because he took over a historically bad unit with players who had never played in the NFL for the most part, as far as the guys he was given to play special teams, a lot of rookies. And you just felt like it was going in the right direction, which is why it was surprising.
1: Yeah, I just feel like he was the leader of the island of misfit toys. I just think Mm -hmm. he, he did the best he could with what he had, which was a lot of inexperienced young players. Some guys had never played special teams before in their life. So I think he did the best he could. And and I I agree with Jim. After they got Andre Roberts and after they got Dustin Hopkins, that unit definitely got much, much better. There's no question about that. And personally, I think it was a little bit quick to pull the trigger on on that situation. I would have liked to see Darius Witten get another opportunity to get another year with more people that are probably going to be better suited at, at attacking improvement on that unit. But at the end of the day, the NFL is a results-based business, and unfortunately, 28th in the league is just not good enough. It's better than the years before, but Brandon Staley is not going to settle for 28th in the league, and so he's going to take this opportunity to get somebody else in there. But I feel like if Brandon Staley wants this unit to really improve, he really needs to get the type of guys that are going to allow that improvement to take place.
0: I just love that we have, you know, Darius Swinton's 10th grade English teacher throwing some shade of Brandon Staley in here as well. Kind of saying, hey, Brandon, he was, he's doing a pretty good job once he actually got some good players to play with, which is the fairest argument you could give for Darius. Absolutely. Because right? they were a lot better and just kind of, you know, had a bad last game of the season, which is, you know, not obviously a good look. But we have more voicemails to get into and we're going to squeeze as many as we can because we appreciate you guys calling in and adding some content. The show. So coming up after this, we're going to talk about a potential Calvin Ridley trade that I told you was going to be this segment on accident. That's coming up next, as well as a couple potential tight ends that the Chargers could think about bringing in in free agency. And we'll get into that coming up after this. But first I need to tell you guys about TurboTax, because people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and are renting it out, or maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. For TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all of your tax questions right from your phone or computer. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you so you don't have to do it. So whether you launch your own startup and are working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes, an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process or you do your taxes from or do your taxes for you from the start to finish so you get the tax deductions that you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. All right, David, we're going to squeeze as many voicemails as we can in here, but thank you guys again for making us your first listen. Because there's a lot of great Chargers content out there, but we are the number one daily Chargers content that you are going to find out there and number one in your hearts, hopefully. But if you need a second show, a second listen per se, make sure you guys check out the Peacock and Williamson show because they're going to be at Radio Row at the Super Bowl for Super Week and they're going to have a lot of great stuff. And for my money, the best overall just NFL based show where they're talking about everything going on throughout the league. So, We have a couple more voicemails we have to get into, David. So let's get to Neil here first and hear what he asked for us this week. My name's Neil from the South, but I'm a big Chargers fan. Uh, I want to know y'all's opinion about potentially trading for Calvin Ridley. And if that's possible, just throwing that out there. Well, let me just start by saying he's a very unique situation, right? Because he missed games and had to step away for, you know, mental health reasons. And And that's... Such a tough thing because, like, for me specifically, and I know people have a lot of takes on it, like, I get it. He stepped into a huge role with Calvin Ridley, and I'm not trying to, you know, suggest I know what was happening with him. But from the outside looking in, you can see how that would be a pretty stressful situation when you're forced into being the dude and you have all these expectations coming off of a giant season where he had 1,374 yards in nine touchdowns. I mean, that's better than Mike Williams' best season, right, that we just talked about and the one season he just had. But then you look at this season, David, and it's six games, 31 catcher, five games, 31 catches, 281 yards, averaging less than 10 yards per carry, or per catch. That's a tough thing. And like, even though I think, you know, if he had played this year, even if he had just missed a couple games due to injury, this would be a very realistic trade option because obviously something's not working out there potentially. But we also don't know that Atlanta is the problem. We don't know that Atlanta is what's causing him not to play. And it's hard when you didn't see him go out there and finish the season. So at this point, it's hard for us to even say, when is he going to be back on the field? And how do you trade for that dude?
1: Yeah. And for me, I just don't think he's the type of receiver that the chargers are looking for, that they need to add to this offense. He's not that missing link. He's not a, a big yards after catch guy. He only averaged 3.1 yards uh, per reception. You know, a- after the catch so this season, just, yeah. I mean, and even in his biggest season, he's just he's never been a, a big yards after catch monster. And that's the type of receiver that the Chargers need. They need that, that demon. Uh, if you do-
0: bring back Mike Williams, right? I mean, this right. could be and potentially if it's replacing Mike Williams, maybe that changes the conversation a little. Bit.
1: Right, yeah, and, and it possible and it might, but the the guy I'm sure you're, you're probably not going to be surprised at this, but the guy who gets the most yak per reception is Austin Eckler on the Chargers, and it's crazy. It's eight point nine yards <laughs> per yards per catch. Uh, that's crazy average. He he yeah. he's a demon. Eight point
0: nine yards after the catch. Yeah, after catch. the catch.
1: Yeah, average, which is insane. He is a demon, but they need that in a wide receiver form with some blazing speed. That's what they really, I think that's the missing link.
0: Yeah. If you bring back Mike Williams, he's not the missing piece that, you know, completes your offense. He would obviously make you maybe the most talented and wide receiving core in the NFL. If you had those three guys, but at the same time, it's not bringing necessarily new elements to your offense or not bringing the most new elements. If you're going to pick a type of receiver to bring in, but he was very, very good. Last year and was very good in his career leading up to this. But how do you trade for a dude who you don't know if he's out on the field? Like, I get the mental health thing for sure, and I definitely respect him and hope he takes all the time that he needs. Absolutely. But just from a pure business standpoint, how do you trade for that guy? What's the value you put on that? And it's just you have no idea sitting here right now what that price tag is going to be. And that's, I think, one of the hardest things about that specific conversation with yeah. calvin ridley but we have another thing and we want to talk about yak david we have a couple of tight ends to think about now because we have a caller who thinks that it's time to move on from jared cook and maybe have a couple different options at tight end to think about man it's uh envy talent from your guys's youtube section uh that's what the am calling let's say that we should have been in the playoffs freaking pittsburgh ruined it raiders ruined it this is floppy showing for the NFC, anyway, freaking. I'm hoping that we can pick up some uh, tight end now that uh Jared Cook's gone. So I'm probably looking for maybe uh the uh, or even Tizeki. anyway, bolt up freaking till next year. Save Well, it's not bolt up till next year, it's bolt up every day, right? Especially every day. Here when you're coming out with a show every single day. But this is a toughie, David. And I know me and you have a difference of opinion on this one, so. I'll let you make the case for Mike Gesicki, who, out of the two of them, is easily the most productive.
1: Yeah, for Mike Mike Gisicchi, I mean, this, this is this guy who you know you look at his numbers and they kind of they stick out a little bit: seventy three catches, seven hundred and eighty yards, ten uh, point seven yards per per reception. But the thing I came, I think that kind of is a little bit sore on that is only two touchdowns last year. But also, I, I think you got to consider who is throwing him the football and the type of offense that they were in. It was Tua Tengavailoa, and it was a lot of short, a lot of quick throws, get get the ball out of your hand quickly, a lot of boundary throws, not a lot of explosive passing plays. Um, and, you know, he has had five touchdowns twice in his four seasons, and he's only 26 years old. So as far as if I had to pick between these two guys based off of their production, I definitely would probably lean towards Kasiki, But we both know, Daniel, that he's going to be a much more expensive option.
0: That's the thing is you're talking about two different price tags because Mike Isiki is projected. And with a 700, you know, receiving yard season is likely to get around 11 or 12 million. According to spot track, it's 11 million over four years. So four years, $44 million within Joku, it's four years, 27.6 million. So you're talking about less than 7 million per per season for a guy you're taking for all upside, right? Because, Yes, he doesn't have the production, but it seemed like the weirder thing to me is that the Browns didn't seem to want to commit to him. And they brought in an Austin Hooper who it was like, OK, well, are you going to be able to use both of those guys effectively? But now you get the watered down version of David Njoku. And what he does bring to the table is the yak, David. And, you know, that was the big thing for, you know, Calvin Ridley. Mike Kosicki doesn't have a lot of yak. I mean, Mike Kosicki averages 3.1 yards after the catch per reception. You know what Jared Cook averaged this year? 5.1. That's a two-yard advantage that Jared Cook, the guy we haven't really been thinking of as a yak monster for the Chargers, had more than Mike Kosicki. Three is not a good number. Then you look at David Njoku, right? The number's around eight yards per catch after the reception. So he's getting eight yards Take out the game against
1: the Chargers and then look at his stats.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay. (laughs) How many guys in the Chargers could do that? I mean, Jared Cook wasn't (laughs) going to be able to break that off. Yes, the Chargers' poor defense definitely led to that. But that's what this guy is, though, because that yeah. I mean, that's also ignoring the rest of his career, and that's been what he's brought to the table. He's an uber-athletic guy that's had drop oh, wow. issues in the past, has had some injury issues in the past, but would also bring a different element to this offense that they're not currently getting. If you have him and Donald Parham out there as your two yak guys and two explosive tight ends, that's a tough matchup for any team in the NFL. So, yes, I mean, you're betting on upside, but he didn't have a pretty productive season this year, but he's never had more than 500 yards in a season. He's never had more than four touchdowns in a season. But kind of like with Mike Williams, he was never really the focal point of that offense, and it didn't ever seem like they really used him right. So, for me, I'm taking, you know, if I could get David Njoku on a two-year $14 million deal, I'm signing up with that before I would sign up for the four-year Mike Kosicki $45 million deal. So, that's where I kind of land on it. And I think for me, it's – you can find that where, you know, Trey McKitty can turn into a nice possession receiver. You know, you could potentially yeah. have Steven Anderson back as a nice, solid route-running receiver. You're not going to find a lot of yak out there, and you're not going to find the yak if you're bringing back somebody like Jared Cook. He adds a level of explosiveness. Oh yeah, offense. That's one thing
1: we can definitely both agree on, is we yeah. do not want Jared Cook back at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would much rather take and an, you know take a flyer on somebody like this because I think – David and Njoku in this offense could put up a season better than what we just saw from Jared Cook and hopefully not be nearly as frustrating. But let's sneak this last one in here. I was going to cut it short, but we want to get as many people involved in the show as we can. So let's hear what Wilson has for us before we get out of here. Wilson from Richmond. Once again, Achilles heel. The run defense shows up at the worst time.
1: It ends our season. But I'm predicting that next year we'll be in the Super Bowl. I think it takes a loss like this this point in the season. The right few pieces on defense, strengthening the right side of the offensive line, I think we will be primed for that Super Bowl run next year.
0: So, I mean, I think we'll have the Super Bowl conversation at some point. And I think what the Chargers could do next season if they make the right moves at least is squarely put themselves into Super Bowl contenders right and that's yeah. just giving yourself a chance and having a realistic chance to go up against the big dogs in the AFC and whoever comes out of the NFC the part I want to talk about here though David is just is there something tangible that can be taken away from a game or a season like the Chargers had where you come up just short can that bring you fire to your team can that give you the chip on your shoulder the next season to kind of propel you onto bigger and better things
1: I, I think absolutely it can, especially with the Chargers being in this situation to where they're right on the precipice of getting to the playoffs. They were they were right there. They were a couple of plays away from being in a playoff spot where a lot of people around the league would have preferred the Chargers to be in the playoffs over the teams that made it and were a lot more scared uh, of the Chargers if they were to make it. I mean, I'm sure Kansas City teams, is a lot
0: happier that they got the Steelers instead of the Chargers after absolutely seeing that yeah. result. Yeah, they,
1: the, they beat the brakes off of the Steelers, but they knew that they were not going to do that to the Chargers based no. on how the Chargers have played the Chiefs. But yes, I think this is a could be a huge galvanizing moment, and this is the window. This is the opportunity this year. They have all the resources. They are right there. If they make those right moves, they very well could be a – very, very dangerous team next season.
0: Well, I think, so the cool thing is, is like, you've seen this happen to other teams where you have to, you know, take your lumps along the way. And I don't even think it's just in football. I think it's throughout sports. Like, I think the bills are at one of those crossroads right now yeah. where like they had a couple rough years with Josh Allen, where they're getting by being a pretty, you know, average to above average team, missing the playoffs, losing in the first round of the playoffs. And then last year, they were dominant, but still couldn't get that off their back in the playoffs. And now they have a chance this weekend to potentially control everything in the AFC if they go out there and beat the Chiefs, who they walloped in the regular season. It's different doing it in the playoffs. And I wish Justin Herbert would have had that experience, because even if they got bounced in the playoffs, such valuable playoff experience. But the one thing Justin Herbert got this year that he didn't get in year one was he basically got some borderline playoff games. They knew the last two games of the season they had to win. He wasn't playing for that during that four-game winning streak at the end of 2020. Those games did not matter, even if they came back and won him in the fourth quarter. This year, he had the stakes. He had the biggest stage that he's been on to this point in his career, and he fell a little bit short against the Raiders and not by his hand, right? So I do think there is something to that. And as much as I'm a numbers guy and I like to you know, have that tangible, that logic behind something, I also was a football player, and I know what these kind of things can do for you as a football player and how these... Galvanizing moments, as you put it, can actually have a tangible effect on you. And I do think this was a learning process for a young coach, a young quarterback, and a young team. And I do think that when they get to that stage next season and they have to go into those wars in December into January, they're going to be very happy they had those moments this year because they are a little bit battle tested for that. So next year, I could definitely see them making some noise, making it into the playoffs and being a very dangerous team once they get there but we went way too long on this one we appreciate you guys hanging with us and make sure you never miss an argument like you got on today's show make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast run for free on all platforms spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and you can also subscribe if you're watching on youtube right now to the channel because we love all you guys support on there and we're obviously getting some new voicemails from new voicemail people because of the youtube channel and that different audience so we appreciate you guys all, but thank you again for listening and making us your first listen. You can also find the show on all of our social media. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on LAC. You can find the show on Facebook on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page, and also our Locked On Chargers Instagram page. And if you guys want to be like today's show, you can get on the show with the voicemail line. The number to that is three two three. Five two four-seven nine two four. And we appreciate you guys giving us some things to talk about and letting us know what you want to hear about. But that is gonna do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow before the weekend to wrap things up. But until then, take it easy and go bolts.